0: All right, so I'm going to be, uh, I'll be sharing with you today about our inaugural, our very first ever miracle offering. And I can't tell you how excited I am, but let me say from the very beginning, this is a miracle Sunday is what it is. And we've been praying for this for a long time. The team has been praying for you for a long time and praying about this particular Sunday. It's not about... Money, we're going to be talking a little bit about, but it's not about the money. It's about building the kingdom of God so that we can go faster and further than we ever thought imaginable. See, I'm going to say that again because it's it's where we're at. It's about building the kingdom of God and advancing faster and going further than we ever thought was possible. And so if you're new to New Life Church, this is a unique and it's a very special day. This is the first time we've ever done a day like this since we started the church nearly eight years ago. We want you to know that what God is doing through the faith of the family that we call New Life Church. And and we don't want you to feel like you were invited here today because we want your money. So sit back and relax and see what God will do in this gathering. Today is a day that's unlike any other day. Today is a day where people are going to make sacrificial gifts. True stories. Let me give you just four, maybe five. I, I, I think of the couple who came and they, a few weeks ago, probably close to their payday. They had very, very, very young children. These are true stories. Uh, they, they, they gave their miracle offering early, probably because it was closer to their payday. And then the Spirit of the Lord spoke to them in one of the gatherings that we had, and they came up to me afterwards with tears in their eyes, and and, and took a check. And I was wearing a a, a, po- a shirt with a pocket, and they stuck it in my pocket, gave me a hug, and just walked away. Opened it up later, and that that, uh, that offering inside that I kid you not had to have been at least both of their uh, both of them combined a week's pay easily. That they they said this it wasn't enough is what it said it wasn't enough. Uh, This is the miracle offering that God has spoken to us, and I said thank you. But I I said thank you for your sacrifice. I think of the youth, a young lady um, who said, "Hey, I can't wait to give in the miracle offering." A teenager in our church, I can't wait to give for to the miracle offering. I've been saving my money, and I'm looking forward to the 18th of November. That speaks volumes. I think of that little boy in our church who came to me and said, Miracle Offering Sunday is coming. Yes, it's coming, son. He said, I can't wait to give. I've been saving. And he said this. He said, I'm going to give it all. That makes all the difference in the world. The senior saint who's living on a fixed income and and yet has strategically set aside a generous and sacrificial gift to help provide a miracle for other people. We say thank you for your sacrifice. The the senior saint that came up to me after the first gathering and said, Pastor, I gotta tell you something. I said, can I share your story after he told me? He said, yes, you can. He he said, I gotta tell you something. I said, "What, what do you wanna tell me? He said, I was grappling over this thing. I knew that the miracle offering Sunday was coming, but I live on a fixed income, but I knew I wanted to give a certain amount. And he said, last Wednesday, He said, the Lord spoke to me and said, double it. And I said, I don't know how I can do that because to me, and he stated the amount, which was a significant amount. He said, to me, that's an amount I would miss from my checkbook. You know what I'm saying? I said, I totally understand what you're saying. He said, said, I've been in the banking industry my whole career. And he said, so I still balance my checkbook with a pencil and the paper, and I reconcile everything. I don't use the computer. He said, I want to make sure, and he said, my checkbook balances to the penny every month, and it has for decades. He said, until, and I said, uh-oh. He said, yeah, he said, until this, this, this time. He said, I tried to balance my checkbook, and I couldn't balance it, so he said, I went back two months when it was balanced, and I still couldn't work through it, and he said, it was the double amount that the Lord had challenged me To the penny to give to the Lord in the miracle offering. And he said, here's what I'm telling you is going to happen. He said, I guarantee you when I get home after I gave the gift, probably Monday or Tuesday, I will balance it and it will work out just fine. He said, somehow the Lord multiplied my fixed income and he has made a way so that I could give twice as much, come on now, as what I thought I was going to be able to give. That's how, and he said to me, he said, I'm a little afraid to share this. You can. I said, why are you afraid to share this? He said, because I think people look at me like I'm nuts. Like it's just a math error. I said, dude, you were in the banking industry for almost five decades. You don't make math errors. This, this, is, a, this is a supernatural way that God has chosen to use you at such a, such a time as this. And so for all of these people, big, little, listen, young, old, we just want to say thank you for your sacrifice because we are, we are blessed to be a blessing. Can someone say amen? Amen. It's not about how much you and I can retain, how much we can keep, how much we can hoard, but which, how we can make a difference with what the Lord has entrusted to us. Our time is not ours. Our talent is not ours. Our treasure is not ours. It all belongs to God. Now, we can say that. It makes a good bumper sticker. It's something that sounds good from the pulpit, but is it what we live? Do we really believe that everything we have doesn't belong to us anyway? We are just managers and stewards of that which God has graced us with. Every breath that we breathe is on loan from Almighty God. Can someone say amen? amen? And so, God is, listen, some of you today in this miracle offering Sunday, I'm so excited for you because I know what happened in the first gathering and I know it's going to happen in this gathering. I know that I know that I know that some of you today are going to give out of your abundance. God has blessed you and, and you know it and you're thankful for that. Someone told me, they said, you know what, Pastor? Uh, this year, I will have tithed and given more than I made in the first year that I started working at the company that I'm with. That's the blessings of the Lord. That's abundance that God gives that, that he entrusts to his people. And he says, if I can't trust you with the little... I can't trust you with a lot. That's what he tells us, right? And God doesn't lie, and it's his rules, and we can't negotiate, and we can't change that. We just have to believe it. So some of you are going to give out of your abundance today. It's so cool. Some of you today are going to give out because of a a sense of freedom that you have. I mean, you really feel a sense of freedom. You used to be ruled by debt and credit cards and and, uh, keeping up with the, the Joneses. and God has helped you to gain financial peace in your life. And maybe some of that uh, training and teaching came through the ministries here at New Life. But you've learned to live like no one else, so now you can give like no one else. And it's a good feeling, and God has blessed you. And I'm so happy that you've got that sense of freedom to be able to do that. And some of you are going to be given out of a sense of freedom this morning because your life has been ruled by addiction. You've struggled with the things of addiction, and you know, you know that God has broken the chains of addiction, and now you want to help other people find freedom from the addiction and the bondage and the weight that the enemy is trying to put upon them, and you say, God, I want to be a part of the miracle. Settle down. (laughs) Some of you are probably going to give today out of a sense that the, the trust, the trust that you know that God's going to come through. But he hadn't come through yet. And see, you're not going to wait until God does come through. But you're going by faith and saying, God, I know you're going to come through. And because I know you're going to come through in advance, I'm going to go ahead and trust you. And I'm going to step out in faith. And I'm going to wait on my miracle while I muster up the spiritual strength to be able to provide a miracle for somebody else. While I'm persevering in the faith, knowing that God is going to come through for me. The Bible says in James chapter one, verse number 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And that's where some of you are at today. Man, you're standing up under trial and you're being blessed by God and you know that God's gonna come through for you and you're saying, God, I wanna be used by you. Even in the midst of my candidacy for a miracle, I'm gonna trust you and be used by you for a miracle for someone else. It's exciting. This is so exciting to me. Matthew chapter 16, that's where we're going to be hanging out a little bit. Matthew chapter 16, if you open up your Bibles, open up your devices, look at God's word. As you're turning to Matthew chapter 16, let me give you a little context this morning. Peter had just spoken to Jesus, and he had just received a fresh revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Now, I don't know if you really can get this with me but I want you to try to trek with me for a moment. Have you ever been in a place with your walk with Almighty God that you have found yourself kind of just on autopilot? You found yourself kind of on cruise control. It's not that you don't love God. It's not that you aren't serving God, but you just you're just, you're on cruise control. You're living a life, you're trying to live a life that's above reproach, you're trying to serve the Lord, but you're on, you're on cruise control. You're, you find yourself in, in a steady, and there's nothing wrong with being steady, but then, oh, but then, you have a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. Man, if you've never had a fresh revelation of who Jesus is, you need to have a fresh encounter with God. And so Peter has this fresh encounter with God. And when he does have this fresh revelation of who Jesus is, he says to him, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's a declaration of faith. It's it's, it's speaking forth what the truth has been revealed to him inside. And he says, I understand. And Jesus looks at him and goes, boy, you get it. In so many words. You, you get it. He communicates to him, you get it. And then Jesus says, in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. He says, and I tell you that you were Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is one of those times that I really appreciate the King James and you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Is what it says. Listen, listen. This is what Jesus is saying to Peter. Y'all, you got gotta get this. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is the rock. Um, but when Jesus changed Simon's name earlier in the ministry to Peter, see, Peter actually means rock. So, um, the rock wasn't the first rock before the rock that we know today as the rock. You know I'm talking about. There was Peter was the rock, right? And so Jesus says, "Yo, yo, yo, (laughs) something like that. You, 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 the rock." And so Peter is known by everybody as the rock, but doesn't know what it means. And now Jesus is giving him. A fresh revelation of who he is. And he speaks to him and he says, Listen, Peter, your name is Peter. Really, what he's saying is, Your name is the rock. Remember, I call, uh, the, your name is, the, yes, I know that. And on this rock, I will build my church. In other words, through you, Peter, uh, uh, through you, Jackson, right? Right, this is what he says. He says, I'm going to build my church through you, Nate. I'm going to build my Your father to, through you, Chris. I'm going to build my Your father to, through you, David. I'm going to build, that's what he's saying. He says, through you, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When I was a kid, I wasn't a Christian. But there were these things in our little rural town that in Oskaloosa, Iowa, where I was born and raised, they were backyard Bible schools. And some of y'all remember those backyard Bible school days. We don't really do them anymore because now there's just a bunch of creepoids and you don't bring people to your backyard and say, hey, kids, all the neighbor kids, come to my backyard. It just doesn't sound right, right? But back in the day, that's what we did. Um, and I would go to those backyard Bible clubs, Bible, uh, vacation Bible schools in the backyards of people, people's yards, because the neighbor kids would all come. The reason I went uh, from 9 to 11 in the morning was because they had Kool-Aid. I'm just going to say really honestly. And I like Kool-Aid. I'm grown now. When I was a child, I did childish things. When I became an adult, I put childish things behind. Now I like Gatorade, which is kind of the same. And so, anyway, um, that, I, I would go because of the Kool-Aid. But I remember when I read the scripture, here's what I remember. You, you know you have these flashbacks in your mind? I remember one of those backyard Bible clubs, Bible schools, somebody t- teaching about, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I didn't understand. I'm sure they taught it very well. Maybe they were reading from a curriculum, but it's it. I, I all I could picture were these gates that were chasing me. You know, like 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 bats, but they were gates and they whopping, and they were coming after me and gonna. I don't know. That was hey, some of y'all looking like I'm an idiot. Not, yeah, I am. Um, gates aren't. The truth is, the gates aren't attacking you. Gates don't chase you gates have one purpose and that is to open and that is to close gates aren't moving except for that particular action opening and closing and the purpose of gates the purpose of gates are to keep something in or to keep something out we talked about this a little bit last week when we talked about boundaries didn't we that every every fence has got a gate i want you to think about gates for just a second and the gates of hell and the gates of hell have two purposes Gates of hell have the purpose of keeping people in. They keep people in. They lock them up in bondage, in addiction, in sin, in foolishness, in discouragement, in apathy, in depression, in quarreling, in bickering, in feuding, in disillusionment. And that's what the gates of hell do. They keep people locked up in a hopeless state in their life. And what's outside the gate and what the gates are keeping out are the followers of Jesus Christ, the ones of whom Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. And then he finished the sentence, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, the thing, the reason Satan wants us to stay out of the gate of the people that he has snared up inside the gate is because we possess the Lord Jesus Christ inside of us. And Jesus is light. And in him there is no darkness. And so we carry the light of the Lord and the light of the world. And when we go into the gates, into the enemy's camp, into the enemy's territory, we carry with us the light of God. And when we do that, no amount of darkness, no matter how dark and desperate it is, can dispel the light. Light always wins over the darkness. And so Jesus is most, you got to understand this, guys. I want you to know that as New Life Church, we are going in through the gates. Can someone say yes? We are going to go where nobody else wants to go in. We're going to move forward and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. That's a part of the family that you're a part of. Now, when Jesus was saying to his disciples that the gates of hell won't prevail against it, he liked to use illustrations of what was around him at that time. Sometimes he would use agrarian illustrations because um, fields were nearby. He could point to the fields and say they're white for the harvest. Uh, he would use uh, agriculture, agrarian, agricultural uh, illustrations. He would use illustrations about the water because he was on the seashore and on the sea. In this case, Jesus was located, as we look at the story, in a region called Caesarea Philippi. And in that region, in that time, there was known to be fortresses that were all around. I'm gonna show you a picture of one. Uh, If you go right now, you would see remnants like this stock photo I found of of fortresses that are there. Now, these would not be remnants of the fortresses that Jesus was referring to because uh, that whole um, Israel area is, um, um, there's a lot of chalk limestone there. And so when you go to Israel, um, you'll notice there's a whole lot of uh, excavating that is being done. There's a lot of archaeological digging that's going on. That's because um, uh, this is probably, I'm going to guess, maybe a thousand years old. Um, but underneath that remnant of a fortress would be, would be um, if you dug underneath it, would probably be remnants of other fortresses that had been built some 14, 15, 1600 years prior to that. It was a region known for fortresses. And so what would happen, now we don't understand it in a nation that's only 300 years old, but what would happen in that particular nation is they would build on top of, on top of, on top of, on top of, after years and years and years of of, uh, sediment settling. Literally, you can find cities under cities. It's just the way it is. That's why the archaeological digs are so important to discovering and, frankly, proving that God's word is truth. And it's never, not one dig has proven that it's not trustworthy and true. And so, when, when it's, Jesus probably wasn't pointing to this one, but I would say he was pointing to a fortress that similarly looked like this and was fully complete and probably state-of-the-art for the time. And right there in the opening, you would see a giant gate A sovereign, solid uh, piece of uh, combination of of iron, um, likely some stone and certainly some wood that would be put together, uh, timber. And so there would be this gate that would be there. And I can imagine Jesus pointing at that and saying, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. When he's telling Peter and the other disciples there, I'm gonna build my church on you, on you guys. And the gates of hell will not prove. In other words, I think this is what Jesus is saying. Guys, wherever, wherever the gates say, stay out, you go in. Wherever it says no trespassing, yeah, that's an invitation to go in because the devil wants you to stay out. You go where nobody else is going to go. And so in this miracle offering, we're saying, devil, you can't keep us out. We're saying you can't keep us out here in Lathrop. You can't keep us out in South Stockton. You can't keep us out in Tracy. You can't keep us out in River Islands. You can't keep us out in Manteca. You can't keep us out. You can't stop what the Lord is doing. You can't do it. The church is going to go through the gates of hell. We're going to do anything short of sin to reach people who do not know Jesus Christ. It's possible Jesus was going even deeper than the boundary of a gate. It's possible Jesus was referring to the gate as something else, um, not just as a boundary marker that we have to go through, but rather, maybe he was referring to the gates of hell being the authorities, the government structure, the ruling ideology of the day. Now, I'm, I'm going to teach this post-elections, and you're welcome for that, but I'm going to be really real with you. For, can I do that for just a few moments? The, the devil is full time trying to stop the advancement of the church of Jesus Christ. And you see, the gates um, in that day that Jesus, whoops, just leave it, that Jesus was referring to were, would have been where the rulers, thank you, sir, and where the leaders would have had to pass by the gate. Let me show you a picture. This is a picture on the other side, and on the left, you can barely see it kind of arched. This is a, a recreation of what it might look like just on the inside of the gates of a fortress. And you wouldn't expect to see on the inside of the gates of a fortress like, an, like a theater, like a, a stadium seating. That's exactly what you would see inside a fortress at that day because the rulers, the leaders, the government officials would spend their time just inside the gate talking to the people and proclaiming their ideology, proclaiming their belief system, proclaiming oftentimes their lies and communicating that, brainwashing the people. And, And if anybody would come by the outside of the gate trying to get in... They wouldn't be allowed and were trying to speak over the government leaders. The government leaders would speak even louder. And so there was no voice to the contrary of what the truth might be. This was by design. And Jesus is saying to us, he's saying, listen, we've got to be willing to go wherever he sends us. And no physical boundary, no gate will ever stop us. And no government, no ideology, no cultural ideology will stand against you. When it does stand against you, it cannot stop you. Now, we love our government. Somebody say amen. amen. We live in the greatest nation on the planet. We do. And, but we've got to work to keep it that way. I don't know if you're aware or not, but California is typically not pro-Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Did you know that? Some of y'all lived here your whole life, and that's a blessing, and sometimes that's not a blessing because you don't know outside of the ideology that, that, that is right here in California. But the rest of the nation, particularly conservative, Christian, Bible belt kind of nation, is looking at us and going, are you crazy? It's happening. It's happening. I had to have a conversation with a friend of mine who we used to pastor at a different church in the Midwest who kept sending messages, um, posting things on Facebook that were what I just call nuts, right? It would just post things about how horrible California is. Now, some of this stuff was truth, but I, but I, but I finally got so, so frustrated by it that. I sent a message and said, bro, I live here. God moved us here. We're trying to be, listen, light shines brightest in the darkest, does, does it not do that? And, and he's, bro, I'm sorry, I didn't mean any offense by it. I said, well, let's invest our time a little bit more praying uh, and a little less uh, condemning, as that sound. And So I don't know if it made a difference, but it really, it was a good com- uh, communication that we had. Listen, um, there are gonna be more conflicts and more resistance to the kingdom of God and moving the kingdom of God forward in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. There's going to be a lot. Listen, if you thought that the current administration in the state of California was liberal, they're going to look conservative compared to the new, new administration. It is coming, guys. And the attack on the church, I'm going to give you a couple examples, are very, very real in real time. Things are going to change for my grandchildren. Things are going to change for my great-grandchildren. It's going to look different. If the, I'm not saying that it's doom and gloom. I'm not saying, I'm saying we must, we must rise up and we do that by kneeling down, by praying. We must be people of prayer and penetration while we have the opportunity. See, what I'm saying here is um, uh, we're being attacked on the moral side of things. Uh, did you know that a church, to be a church... Uh, has to have a, um, an IRS status of a 501c3. Um, that means you're a not-for-profit, and a not-for-profit means you're a charitable institution where people can give charitable contributions to. It's just part of being a church, right? It's what the United States does. It's what we do. There is an attack on the foundation of that, particularly in the state of California, The attack on the foundation of that comes in two ways. Number one is a slippery slope. Number two is a direct attack. The direct attack, I'll tackle that one first, is what they're trying to do, and we're almost getting daily information about this, what they're trying to do at the state level, and then it's going to happen because as California goes, oftentimes so goes the nation. At the state level, they're trying to remove and revoke the 501c3 status from churches. In other words, that would make churches where every dollar you give, 25 cents has to go out to the government or 35 cents has to go out to the government, depending on how much we collect. Taxes would then have to be paid on the property and the income that the church receives. That would be utterly destructive to ministries that are based upon Sunday morning offerings. You follow what I'm saying? That's a direct assault. And another way they're trying to do this is they're allowing churches to be approved through the state of California that are, quote, churches worshiping a lowercase g god. There is an actual church that has its graven image idol and actually exists in Santa Cruz today. It is known as the, uh, affectionately as the beer church. They c- gather together and they worship their god of beer and they qualified for a 501c3 church status through the state of California, and they're able to collect offerings every Sunday that are charitable contributions you can make to an organization that tastes different kinds of beer together because that is their God. What other state in the union would approve such ludicrousy as that? It's happening, and what's going to happen is I think it's a ploy of the devil, whether it's a direct ploy of people doing it or not, a ploy of the devil, because before long, somebody's going to rise up and say, that is stupid. That is ridiculous. Let's revoke that tax that exempt status. And then what's gonna happen is a domino effect. Deadpool 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 Deadpool. All the way down to New Life Church. I'm telling you guys, this stuff is stuff that's being fought for on the front lines, and I get to read about it on a regular basis. And this is the kind of cultural ideology and that, that I think Jesus is pointing at the gates of hell and saying, the gates of hell, listen, don't you be afraid. The gates of hell cannot, it never has. Under Nero, it didn't. Under Pilate, it, listen, it will not stop the word of God from going forth. But we have to do our part. We have to storm the gates. Our responsibility isn't to sit back and watch. Our responsibility is to be part of the army of the living God. Not be violent. Not be foolish. But be passionate about seeing people who are in darkness see the light. We have found tremendous favor with our local government here in the city of Lathrop. For that, I say praise God. When we moved here... 2010 and started the church we found favor and then when we got this facility that we own this this building we were never supposed to own this building this building was built for light industrial this building was built for commercial and is primarily built for warehousing space so we aren't the biggest um let me say this many of the tenants in this don't we're not like they're not like our biggest fans and some of the owners of buildings and i don't want to be like who cares i want to be like bless them so we try to take them gifts when we, we do, when we do activities, we try to, I'd go and knock on every door and talk to every owner. Sometimes I get a handshake, sometimes I don't, just let them know, hand you you close on Saturdays, but we're still going to have an event here and we want you to be aware that whatever, if there's any trouble, anything, you let us know and then you clean up, we'll make sure we clean up. We try to fortify good relationships. But the reason is, is because everybody knows that we have the largest facility of all the facilities in this complex and we're 501c3. Do you follow what I'm saying? So some, that means we're non-profit. We are nonprofit. we do not pay property taxes like everybody else does for our portion of the property. And so we pay our way. You guys, when I say we, that's all of us, right? We're all in this family together. But we're trying to be good witnesses. All I know is I think that Jesus is talking about the government and the ideology and the rulers, the principalities and the powers and all those things. He's saying you, it, you, the gates of hell will not prevail, you'd be able to go through those. And so when we moved here and we found out about this building, went to the city, and the city said, we have no record that that could ever be a church. They, we have no record that that could have ever been a church. It was a church prior to this, and then we got the facility, um, and so therefore it can't be zoned as a church. Oh, no, what are we going to do? So we appealed to the city. Thankfully, we were in the biggest... Some of y'all don't want to say thankful, but we were in the biggest recession of our lifetime at that point. And so a lot of buildings were vacant. A lot of homes were going under. And so our appeal to the city was, well, would you like the building to be used to help the community in this most difficult, dark time? Because we can offer help. Or do you want us to step back from that? And it, they approved it. And the Bible says in the book of James, you have not because you ask not. So I went in, we went in and asked. We asked for something else. We said, okay, thank you for granting us the permit to make sure that this could be a church as long as New Life is here. But would you go ahead and extend on that, too, that if we decide to expand into the next building and the next building and the next building, just should the Lord allow us to uh, get more of these properties that are here, that you'll go ahead and tack those on, too? <laughs> I thought, well, you have not because you ask not. And they said yes. So if we were to get all of the buildings, and now that's not gonna happen, they all would become New Life Church, and we've got it in writing, and that's favor of the government. That's what God says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we've got, we've got look at this, in this place that we're in, we've got plenty of parking, we've got five, 525,000 cars drive by the front of this church every day. So I'm just telling you, there's opportunities for us to have exposure and so forth, room for expansion. I'm just excited. So we're believing for supernatural favor in the other communities that we're moving into as well. And so today, when we give in our miracle offering, I just want to show you, what we're not building is we are, we are not... We are not building monuments, we're not building monuments. And what, what I mean by that is, is a monument is to remind us of something in history. Uh, uh, its purpose is to be a reminder. It's a, it, it's a stationary. It's unchanging. It's about the past. And that's not bad, but that's not who New Life Church is. We're not a monument. God has called us to be something far better than a monument. God has called us to be a of movement, and there's a big difference between, there's a lot of churches, and I love the churches of of, of Jesus Christ, I do. We pray for them, but there's a lot of churches that have gotten stuck in the monument side of things. Um, and I don't want to get stuck in the monument. I want us to be a movement. We're building His church. It's a body. It's alive. It's moving forward. I think the church needs to be advancing. I think the church needs to be a little bit more unpredictable. Is what I, I think we need to be advancing toward the gates of hell. We need to quit sedating the church with the philosophy that says that's not the way we've always done it. We need to we need to get off of the spiritual riddle that we serve all the time. And we need to start being more unpredictable and more aggressive about storming the gates of hell church is ready to love church is ready to reach grow church is ready to plant and multiply the church is ready to prevail and some people some people might say well wait wait a minute when are we going to ease up slow down take a little break well i've got news for you some of you can read my mind right now right that's not going to happen Because we're looking for one day the Lord to look at us, cup our little faces, and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Too many of our people in our communities are living without hope, they're repeating the same hopeless patterns because they're stuck. Too many kids and teens see no way out. Did you know the teen suicide rate is higher than it's ever been in the history? too, Too many seniors are facing end of life situations and they don't have a pastor and they don't have a church family they can call on and rely upon to see them through from this life to the next life. We want people to die with dignity. Can someone say amen? Too many families are breaking apart at the seams because they don't know how to fix it. They need some help. They don't even know what it is. We need to help them discover that too many good people are being bound by the demonic realm through addiction. It is destroying homes and families. Too many single parents feel like they're all alone in this life and we don't want them to feel all alone. Too many people lack purpose and meaning and New Life Church has been called for such a time as this to be the church and to reach people with the only cure to the most pandemic and deadly of all diseases known as sin with the only cure that is available and works every time and it's Jesus Christ. We are not going to slow down or quit until God tells us to and if I read his word correctly he won't tell us to. And I realize you can't do everything but you can do your part. Romans chapter 10 verse number 13 tells us for everyone Who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Another translation says, whosoever, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We may not know their names right now. We may not know, but we're going to reach the next whosoever. We're going to reach the next whoever. Seven years ago, I didn't know Susan. I didn't know Craig seven, seven, listen, I, Raina, I didn't know you seven years ago, right? Seven years ago, I didn't know David. Seven years ago, I didn't know Marsha, right? Seven years ago, I didn't know John, right? You following me? Seven years ago, I didn't, but I'm glad I do. But I'm glad we decided. You are names in the crowd that have become family to us. And we hope that we have become family to you. And I didn't know the names in the crowd before we began this church, but I am so glad that we came and I'm so glad that we did. And there's so much more we need to do and we need to make relationships with people and we need to introduce them to Jesus Christ. There is a heaven to be had and there is a hell to be shunned and we've got to show them the way and we've got to be the light. Romans chapter 10 goes on to say in verse 14 and 15, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? We're talking about people behind the gate. They haven't heard of him. Nobody's told them. They don't know there's hope. I used to be a prison chaplain and I used to be a prison chaplain at a level three and four prison. That's the highest ranking you can get in a state prison. And some of these guys were in solitary confinement. And it's not what you see in the movies, because that would be, like, uh, illegal. But it is like this. They're in a 6 by 10 um, sometimes smaller, sometimes 6 by 8 concrete room with one light at the top, a solid steel or concrete bed, and a solid steel sink and toilet kind of combo. I mean, you can stretch your arms out, and that's as far as you can go. And the only light that they ever get in that for 23 hours a day is that one light on the ceiling. And when you interview these people, these, this happened to be a men's prison. When you interview these guys, when you talk to them, you ask them, what do you miss the most? They don't say, believe it or not, companionship, relationship, because they're by themselves. What they say is they miss light. And one hour a day, they're allowed to go out into the light. And it's not walking around like you think. They're put into about a 14 by about a 10-foot cage like you'd put your hunting dogs in. And, and I don't want you to feel sorry for them. I want you to feel sorry for people then spiritually in darkness. You follow what I'm talking about? This is a concrete pad with, with chain link around and chain link on the top. And they're put in there by themselves in a yard where there's no contact with anybody else. So they rotate them in through that, that space. And 23 hours a day, they're in the, the, the concrete cell. And one hour a day... And what they miss is the light. You see, when you've not experienced the light, you don't know what you're missing. We have to proclaim to people the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And oftentimes, people don't know that they're missing peace that passes all understanding. They don't know that they're missing joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And we have to introduce that to them. And listen, and it goes on to say, And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And then verse number 15, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Listen, we are bringing good news. Can someone say amen? We want to propel the kingdom of God faster and further so that we can, so that all can know, so that every whosoever can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. That's why we're raising up leaders in our training center. That's why we're pouring into leaders. We're not pouring into leaders so people can get book smart. We're pouring into leaders because we're believing out of the leaders we're pouring into, they're going to get it. They're going to have a fresh revelation of who Jesus is and how he wants them to bloom where they're planted and most of them to be used right here to help us multiply and get these campuses going and reach people in the valley that don't know Jesus Christ in the areas where there aren't very many churches. We want to get it out there. That's why we are starting. We started this counseling center through my wonderful wife who is helping people, bringing healing to people. Can you imagine if people can get healthy? When we get healthy, how much more effective can we be to propagate this good gospel message? How much more effective will we be in our testimony? People will be like, you're different. You're darn right I'm different. Why are you different? Because of what God has done in my life. That's why, that's why we have camps for our teens and our kids and we ask you to get behind that. We believe in this next generation. We believe they're going to be the leaders. We believe they're going to be the ones that are going to help us experience revival in a dark and desolate place. That's why when we, so we switched, we pivoted, we switched to Kids University a year ago. And we we love our kids rally. But we're trying to give our kids intensive opportunities of discipleship training so that at a very young age, they can discover that God loves them and they can hear the call of God in their heart, that God not only loves me, but he wants to use me. And he has a plan and he has a purpose. And he wants me to walk through the door of the call that he has on my life at a very young age. That's why we have Kids University at our, at our South Stockton campus. For the same reason, you want to break the cycle of poverty? God will help you with that. It's not throwing money at it. It's throwing redemption at it. It's pointing people in the right way. And it's helping people see life as valuable regardless of how much money you got in your wallet. It's a mindset change. That's why we sacrifice energy and resources and talents by investing in the projects in South Stockton. Somebody said, is it sustaining itself, the campus? I don't know. Are you talking financially? Or are you talking spiritually? Which one are we talking here? Because I need to know where we what we're what we're talking about. Because I am interested, and I have to, as the under shepherd, make sure we're counting the cost, make sure we're looking at things that say we're, we we want to be healthy, and we we don't want to put us too much risk. But that's one of the reasons why churches have gotten stuck as monuments instead of moving forward as a movement is because we've been so concerned about the risk that we're taking, that we're taking no risks anymore. And we're not spreading the gospel. And we're not seeing ourselves as multipliable. We're seeing ourselves as individual. And we're just trying to keep the doors open. Shame on us. Let's do something. When you lay your head down, and I pray to God I'm with you on your deathbed, when you lay your head down and you're getting ready to close your eyes in death and you're thinking over your life and you've invested in the kingdom of God and you've partnered with us and you believe for good and great things and you've been a part of the multiplying effort and you've been a part of the movement that God is doing, do you think you're going to regret anything? No. You're not. Your life is more than houses and boats and cars. Your life counts for something. And I know you can't do everything, but you can do your part. You see, when it, comes to, when it comes to service, everybody has a part to play. But when it comes to giving, everybody plays. It's not some, it's all. We are bringing the good news to people who need to hear it. So this morning, I want you to think bigger than the $20,000 goal that we have, not that we've raised this already, but the Lord spoke to me, and I said, God, that's a big number. He said, tell Trin, she can announce (laughs) it. Sorry. (laughs) I said, that's a big number. That's like, that's a big number for us. And he said, don't worry. He said, it's not that the people don't already have it. It's just they need to trust me enough to release it. So when I said a few weeks ago, this is a barometer test, it is. It is a faith test. I want you to help us fuel the vision this morning. And one other thing that I, I feel like I, I heard or i 20000 dollars our very first one. Next year we're gonna do another miracle offering. We'll do another miracle. we'll do another miracle. We'll do another miracle. We'll do another. And but in about 10 years, we're gonna look back on this day and we're gonna reminisce and and we're gonna have this conversation with each other. Sandy, we're gonna be thinking, um, you remember we only think of 20,000? Wasn't that cute of us? Wasn't that adorable? Just a little, going to pinch our little cheeks. Because we're going to be asking for a quarter of a million dollars on that Sunday. And we're going to raise it. And it's going to help more people multiply this great. Are you following what I'm saying? You're a part of something big. But it's going to take us doing something big. To whom much is given, much is required. We got to be a part of that. So when you give today, you are literally fueling the vision and bringing the increase to the kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, last verse I'm going to share, verse number 6. I planted the seed, Paulus watered it, but God has been making it grow. Another version says, but God gives the increase. God is bringing the increase. Some of you, a seed was planted in your heart, maybe through the ministries of new life. Maybe you already knew Jesus before you came here but we've had the privilege of just dousing you with the water of the word. But God, don't you be mistaken. God is the one who has given and gets credit for the increase. God is the one who gets all the praise and all the glory. And God is bringing the increase and may another whosoever call upon his name and may the gates of hell not prevail against the church in the Central Valley of California as we do our part and we see people come to know Jesus Christ. Would you stand to your feet this morning and let's praise God together in unison. God, you're worthy of praise and glory and honor and we love you and we are delighted to be a part of the vision a part of the fuel we're delighted to be a part of what you are doing and we give you praise we give you praise now I don't know if I can preach any harder than I'm preaching this morning guys I don't know if I got it in this body to preach harder than this but I am telling you that I'm preaching as much to me as I am to you And so here's how we're going to handle this this morning some of you for six, seven weeks as we've been announcing this, have been praying about searching your hearts and trying to figure out how you can be part of this miracle. I'll tell you so far in the first gathering, we have seen, we have seen $8,600 come in so far in just the first gathering. Can I say that first gathering was about um, two two thirds, a little between half and two thirds the size of this gathering? We can do this. We're going to do this together. And and I'm asking you to do the following things. Um, This miracle offering envelope is on all the chairs. If you don't have one, it's nearby. I would like you, and during when we play the song, to write down what you'd like to give and fill in your information and insert your check or if you brought cash, you can go back to the kiosk and you can do it back there if you want to do it on the kiosk or you can get online, newlifeca.church and you can give it that way and you can check the box. But here's the deal. Maybe somebody's going to be like that senior saint that came up to me after church a few minutes ago and, and God spoke. He had his amount, but God said double it. And maybe... See, he told me it wasn't that he saw the bank error until he had already said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I'm, I'm not challenging you to go broke. I'm asking you to sacrifice. I'm not saying, um, I, I, I want you to sacrifice. We don't know what sacrifice is anymore. And we do this once a year. So I'm challenging you to sacrifice. Listen, maybe you gotta think about and say, kids, here's the deal. Normally we spend $200 for each of you for Christmas, whatever you do. But this year we wanna sacrifice. Mom and dad are going to give up buying each other extravagant gifts and we're going to cut yours and are you in so that more people can come to know Jesus? And if your kids are in our kids' ministry back there, they've been coming to our camps, they've been coming to our classes, I would almost guarantee you they're going to say, oh yes, oh yes, I want to be a part of that. Make a decision and make it big. So you're going to write it on here, and then I want you to, everybody, here's the deal. I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. So you're going to bring the envelope to me for this inaugural, and I'm going to be standing here. You're going to bring it to me and hand it to me, and then you'll get your elements of communion out of the baskets, and then you'll go back to the chair and wait just a second. But here's the deal. I'm not going to let you be embarrassed. So everybody has an envelope, and whether you put something in it or not, bring me the envelope upside down. Just hand it to me because I want to be able to look you in the eyes and say, thank you. Thank you. And I'll never know if you gave or didn't give. So this is not about, oh, the people that give get noticed. It's about everybody getting your communion. But I would really like you to bring this forward and be a part of this. And so when you come forward, give us the envelope. Get your communion. Let's go on back. When everybody's been served, then we'll take communion and we'll close the gathering together and I will share with you before we leave what our miracle amount is today before we leave this place can someone say amen Father we need your help with this we, this is a big ask and we're asking because we serve a great and mighty God and so we're asking Lord that you would lead and guide us we've been praying about this for almost two months now we've been announcing it for almost two months now and we, Lord if somebody's turned a deaf ear to it wake, their ear, wake them up right now unclog those ears un- open up those eyes May we be a part of everything we've been talking about this morning, going further and faster than we ever thought we could to see people who are stuck behind the gates experience eternal and abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen. It is appropriate and it is fitting that we should take just a moment and we should worship the Lord this Thursday is Thanksgiving can we have an attitude of gratitude to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords right now and just say thank you Jesus, can we take like 30 seconds and say thank you Lord, thank you Lord, come on now, worship God and just say thank you, thank you Lord God you're such a good and great God you're holy, you're supreme you're true, you're right and you're real and you never, 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 ever, ever ever fail us glory to God, glory to God Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Can someone say praise God? Praise God, praise God. $2,275 $2,275 away from our goal and that is one day offering in addition to tithes and offerings from New Life Church. This is hands down by far the biggest single day offering that this church has ever had in its entire history and there are a few folks that have told me listen, I'm not done yet. I want to be a part of this and so here's the deal. Listen, you can give online, you can just market miracle offering so we know. And you can also bring it next week. We're just, we'll are just we keep adding to it if it's your miracle offering. And I don't know about you, but I absolutely, positively believe with everything in me that we're going to exceed that $20,000 goal. What a miracle God has done. Come on now! Through you and through me today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I am so proud of you, New Life Church. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. I want to wish you from our family to your family, our family, a very happy Thanksgiving. God bless you, friends. You are dismissed. Amen. Amen.